This is the Heartland Daily Podcast. Welcome, listeners, to another Voices of Vapors episode, where we explore tobacco harm reduction among policy persons, advocates, and, as of today, congressmen. As you know, e-cigarettes are increasingly popular, maybe for some of the wrong reasons as of lately, but nonetheless, they're playing a very important role in harm reduction. Both the Public Health England and the Royal College of Physicians have found these products to be 95% safer than smoking combustible cigarettes, and it should be noted that these are the same bodies that the U.S. relied on in the 1964 Surgeon General Report, which first linked uh, smoking to cancer. Since their introduction to the U.S. market in 2007-2008, they've been subject to numerous regulations, taxations, and even prohibition on the local, state, and federal levels. And it's unfortunate because there's estimated about 10 million smokers in the United States and about 3 million of um, quit smoking cigarettes using these products. While the smoking rate yeah. is declining, there's still an estimated 38 million smokers who are being restricted from valuable information about e-cigarettes as well as access to these tobacco harm reduction products. And today, I have a very great guest. I've got the vaping congressman, Congressman Duncan Hunter. He's a U.S. representative serving California's 50th 50th congressional district, 52nd district during um, when he was first elected in 2009 to 2013. And it covers east and northern San Diego County and portion of Riverside County. After the September 11th attacks, he um, he quit his job as a business analyst and joined the United States Marine Corps, where he served three combat tours overseas, two in Iraq, one in Afghanistan, and he's the first combat veteran of either Iraq or Afghanistan to serve in the U.S. Congress. Congressman Hunter is also a vapor, and he's used e-cigarettes to quit smoking combustible cigarettes. He first made headlines in 2016 when he vaped in a congressional hearing on an amendment to ban vaping on planes. And just for the record, you can't vape on planes anyway. So prior to that, he authored an op-ed in The Hill, which he implored the U.S. Food and Drug Administration to not restrict access to vape products, as he believes they have saved his life and millions of other smokers' lives as well. Thanks for coming on to the show today, Congressman Hunter. How are you? Hey, Lindsay. I'm doing great. Thank you. Hey, hey. Awesome. Well, okay. Do a new movie called Vapes on a Plane. Vapes Instead on a Plane. Snakes on a Plane. Vapes on a Plane. Yes. Get it? Yeah. That's awesome. Yep. No, I'll, <laughs> I shouldn't admit it. I've, I've vaped on a plane. You can vape in the bathroom <laughs> if you're not, you know, if you're careful about it. So, all right. Yep. Always my first question um, on the show is like, how did you find yourself vaping? And then I also, it's going to come into later in some of the questions. Um, what flavor are you currently vaping right now? Uh huh. I started smoking when I was really young. I was 15 and I joined the Marine Corps and that didn't help me not smoke. Uh, in fact, I, I actually dipped and smoked. And, and then, uh, you know, when you get a little bit older, I think I was in my thirties and I realized that smoking is not good for me. <laughs> you wake up coughing. Um, you see all, all the bad effects that it has, especially later on in life. Both of my, my grandparents, my mom's parents died from emphysema and lung cancer from smoking their entire lives. So uh, I, I remember when I was walking in the mall in San Diego and you saw those little those kiosks back in the day and they had the actual they had those electronic cigarettes and they were actual plastic cigarettes um, that that had not refillable cartridges, but just cartridges that you could get. They lasted for like 30 minutes. They didn't produce that much vape. Um, you, you couldn't really tell how much nicotine was in there. They tasted kind of like a cigarette. So that's that's when I I, I first got uh, in into vaping. I didn't quit right away, but I haven't had a cigarette now in two years. Oh, wow. Um, I'm, I'm vaping a, in fact, I, I used to have some larger big vapes from clouds coming out. I, I've now reduced those to a uh, Soren Air and a MyPod, and, I, and I'm vaping 
blueberry crumb. And I, I want to give a shout out to my uh, local store in San Diego, vaping the 619, but that's the area code in San Diego, 619. So vaping the, the 619 and Molly and James that own those stores there, that's, that's where I uh, frequent quite a bit. Oh, that's fantastic to hear, especially because, you know, California's kind of going crazy with their flavor bands. But um, California's just going crazy, period. But yes, with the flavor band, too. Oh, yeah. So, OK, we're going to well, and we're going to get to that part. But I do want to talk about the um, what's going on kind of at the federal level. So uh, for listeners who might not know, um, FDA did decide to deem electronic cigarettes as tobacco products, which means that they are subject to approval for of a pre-market tobacco product application or PMTA. Um, by uh, August 8th, 2022, in order for their products to be legally available. And as of this, too, um, since um, August 8th, 2016, any new products that enter the market, whether they can be safer or not, have to go through this MTA process in order to be compliant. Now, I know in 2017 and 2018, Congress did introduce legislation, um, the Cole Bishop Amendment, that would change that predicate date. And from what I understand, 2018, it kind of didn't have the same language that it had before. So what's going on with this legislation? Um, and, And can we expect any uh, additional legislation to be pushed out in 2019? Yeah, I have legislation. It's called the Cigarette Smoking Reduction and Electronic Vapor Alternatives Act. What it does is establishes vaping in and of itself. So it doesn't tie it to tobacco. Um, It it makes the FDA have a a continuum of harm reduction because prior to a year ago, there there was no continuum, meaning the FDA would say, if you smoke a filterless Lucky Strike, it's the same as vaping a soaring air with six milligrams of nicotine in it, which is total baloney. So there, there was no, no continuum. There, there is now at least, at least there, there, you know, vaping or using a, a uh, tobacco pouch, like a skull tobacco pouch or something is not as bad as smoking a, a filterless cigarette. So at least they're now admitting that. But what the predicate does is simply, it just keeps pushing that date to where people are going to have to, at, at some point, start paying millions of dollars for each flavor and each uh, nicotine degree in, in, in those liquids, right? So what we want to do is we want to establish vaping in and of itself, put standards in within the uh, vaping community. So you, you, you have to make sure that, that the uh, textiles aren't, uh, don't have metals in them. So you're not getting metal poisoning so that the uh, liquid can't be made in some Chinese dungeon with, <laughs> where uh, bad stuff is going into it. Just some basic standards like that, which most vaping companies al- already follow and already have. I don't know if, if you've been to many vape places lately that make the liquid. They have they have clean rooms now. They they almost follow the uh, uh, same prescriptions as you as you would if you were making food. Yeah. They're very clean, very orderly very sophisticated. So that's that's what's happening now, and that's just within our own community without having the government tell us what to do. So that's what we want to do in the end is legitimize vaping in and of itself and separate it from either pharmaceuticals yeah. and and from uh, tobacco. We, we, we want the actual devices to be treated like any electronic device with the lithium-ion battery, treated the same as a cell phone or a, a, a laptop, and, and then let us police ourselves based on some common sense regulations on when it when it comes to the uh, liquid and nicotine content and flavors. Yep. No, I think that's very important too. I know, like the uh, Vapor Technology Association, and then the I, a lot of these uh, groups that pro- are trade associations protecting the flavor or the e-liquid companies do require their members to follow some pretty strict regulations. And I think the self-policing is fantastic without having government come in and try to tell you what you should and should not do. 
Yeah, totally. Most most of these guys follow the AMSA standards. Yep. And and, so, yep. and that's when we actually put in our our legislation to have that be the the uh, basis at least until the FDA can can put their own in place. But we want them to take the best practices from the vaping community now, and and that's what we can start using because with without this, vaping is going to be under attack. I mean, lot of money billions and billions of dollars there's also a lot of money in pharmaceuticals billions and billions of dollars vapors are caught in the middle of those two giant corporate entities yeah. uh, and, then, uh, and and that's a that's a, a very tough place to be because both of those both of those entities those those giant billion dollar corporations want a piece of of vaping and that's where vapors are getting squeezed the manufacturers are getting squeezed and and in the end the people that quit smoking that that were that started vaping, we're going to be the ones to pay for this. Um, and that's why I think we need legislation that's not just the, the uh, predicate date change, but legislation that cements vaping in and of itself as something that is that that is total harm reduction compared to smoking yep. and, and something that kids should not do and that aren't allowed to do as it is. Um, but adults in the end should be free to do what we want if it doesn't harm anybody. I mean, he's mm-hmm. just has marijuana in California now, but you can't vape on the street in yeah. in some cities. Yeah. You're not able to get flavors in some cities. I mean, that's that's just stupid. If if you're going to have freedom, then let us have freedom. Don't let the the uh, the big money squash vapors' rights. Yeah, exactly. So okay, so one of the big things coming out right now too, especially with FDA, Surgeon General's been going after it too, um, is their recent findings on this uptick in youth vaping. Um, and it seems that they're kind of their answer to that is just to restrict access to adult vapors. Um, what do you think, like, do you believe there are better reforms that can address youth usage while not limiting the options for current smokers? Yeah. You know, the, the biggest thing I can think of is don't put cartoons on your packaging. Yeah. Um, don't, don't put, don't put, uh, you know, Captain Crunch or, or uh, pretty rainbow unicorns on your packaging. I, I think that would have alleviated a lot of the concerns that exist right now. Because yeah. a lot of companies did did that, it does appeal to kids. So changing that's a big deal. But uh, but in the end, if you're under 18, it's illegal to buy it anyway, yeah. as, as it stands. And and if, if somebody, you know, if you go to a 7-Eleven or a gas station, you're you're not going to find any cool mods. You're not going to find any Sorens or My Pods. What what you'll find is are jewels and and some of those other types of of uh, of, of vaping de- devices. I don't think taking those out of those stores and putting them in vape shops only is going to have that big of a deal, but I think it, it would curb the uh, youth use because then you're going to, people are going to have to go to their uh, vape stores. They're going to have to find the, the uh, vape stores. And, you know, maybe that is a good thing because the vape stores, as, as anybody knows, the vapes are very personal. You go in there, they'll, they'll help you out with stuff. They'll help you build a mod. They'll help you use it. They'll, they'll tell you, you can try out all, all the different flavors. And yep. they do check every single person, at least at the stores that I've been in. They'll check everybody if they look like they're under 27 or like, you know, 35. They'll, they'll check everybody. They'll ask for the identification, right? Yep. So maybe that is a, a way to curb it um, that's the most acceptable to me. 
Yep, that's I think that's perfect. And I know, so I know there's a lot of alarm uh, alarmism that's um, concerning. Uh, you know, e-cigarettes have always been kind of subject to this. You know, it first started that oh hey they're not safer, but then science debunked that claim. So these products don't help people quit smoking, and then vapors kind of debunked that. And now it's this idea of kids and th- that these flavors are enticing kids. Um, San Francisco is the first city in the nation to ban flavors, and other counties and cities in California have followed suit so far. Um, ca- uh, so far, California, New Mexico, New Jersey, and New York have introduced legislation banning flavors statewide and i believe there's also some um a senate bill on the federal level so um and you as i mentioned earlier you know what you're vaping why are flavors so important for tobacco harm reductions and how important were flavors for you when you quit um used e-cigarettes to quit smoking oh huge and, and as, as anybody who vapes knows you probably try dozens if not scores or hundreds of different flavors and, until you find something that you like right it's, it's actually pretty hard for someone who's who's quitting smoking um, that doesn't care about getting off of nicotine or that just likes the, the emotions of, of in, inhaling and, and blowing out vape. Um, I think flavors are huge. You know, here's, here's the biggest thing. There are hundreds of thousands, millions, every, every city and county, they need to contact their vape shops, number one, and organize. And vape shops need to help do this using Facebook, Instagram, or just their, their, their outreach and their emails. But people need to go in and talk to their representatives, whether it's in Congress or city supervisors or county supervisors or, or a city council, and say, we're going to vote against you. Even if we've never voted before on anything, we work 12 hours a day, we don't have time to get into politics, we don't care about politics, we care about this. Yeah. And you're, n- number one, taking away something that that has a- allowed me to live longer and live healthier and have a much cleaner lifestyle because I used to smoke or just the fact that I'm an adult and I can do what I want to with my own body in a, a safe way, which is what vaping is. But people need to get politically motivated in this. We went to every vape shop in my district in San Diego and, and people knew that I was behind, behind vaping. It was kind of tongue in cheek to some of my colleagues and my opponent and some other folks, but there's tens of thousands of vapors in my district. And they know that I vape. Um, and, and it, it, can hurt somebody who is against vaping and help people that are uh, for vaping. So people need to get involved. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, okay, what do you have? What advice do you have for your fellow colleagues as well as um, FDA and I guess and state lawmakers that are looking um, as regulating e-cigarette products? I think your legislation um, is fantastic that it separates vaping from tobacco. But are there other reforms that they should be looking at? No, and in fact, they. Uh, they should not do this state by state or county by county because yeah. that's going to make it just about impossible for people to buy vapes on online, to buy different liquids online. It's going to make it too hard. Congress controls interstate commerce. I think it's got to be a, a federal law that overlays all the states and takes away the, the possibility of states making their own laws so that you can get something in Arizona or Montana, but you can't get it in California or Oregon or you can have these 20 flavors in Oregon, but only these five flavors in California. That's, that's stupid. It's a patchwork of laws. And that's one reason you have the interstate commerce clause in the Constitution, where Congress has the ability to, to write laws that were overlay the entire country. So I, I think we have to do it federally. Um, that's, that's what we have to do is, is make vaping le- legitimate and legal federally. But hey, in the end, the answer is this. It's about freedom. Yes, it's about freedom as Americans to be able to do what we want to do. That kind of blows my mind in California. That's supposed to be the a, in fact, it's a uh, liberal Democrat state. Democrats control the 
the uh, state Senate, the state House, the governorship, every single thing is controlled by Democrats in the state. Democrats are supposed to be for uh, freedom. But in cases like like this, they're going to try to choose what's good for me. And and, and I'm totally against that. I'm going to fight it and keep on fighting it till we till we finally win this Thank Thank uh, goodness. We have somebody good in the administration right now who's at, at least listening to vapors and, and un- understands that they can't just make it illegal outright. Absolutely. Now, that is a good question with the Democrats. Why is it that, you know, Democrats tend to support like, uh, uh, you know, poor, lower income people tend to be most of their constituents. These people tend to smoke the most. Why are Democrats so against vaping, even though this could be a very good public health gain? I don't know. I, you know, the, the only thing that I can think of is uh, like in California, for instance, is big pharma and, and big tobacco. Because there's a, if you follow the line, what I've learned in, in 10 years in Congress, if you follow the uh, string, it's going to lead to lots of money yeah. somewhere. And, and I think that's where that is. I think you have a lot of people making money. And, and this sounds bad, but I think it's true. You have people making money off of heart disease and off of cancer. Yep. And I, I think as, as if, if you can prove that you can reduce those things, people still will have access to nicotine, to, to what they like to do. But you reduce those bad things, you're going to have lots of people losing lots of, of money. Yeah. And, and I think in the end, it comes down to money and, and, and take just you know, simply taking away people's freedoms. Absolutely. Once again, in San Diego, you can walk down the street and see people smoking a joint, but <laughs> you're not allowed to vape. <laughs> I mean, it's nuts. It is. That is nuts. So, um, uh, any last words? And where can our listeners find out more information about your uh, legislation and more information about you? You can find uh, everything on me at hunter.house.gov. Hunter.house.gov will have the uh, the legislation posted that they can read through it. It's not that long. It's probably like thirty or forty pages, but it's pretty common sense. And, and to everybody listening, get in, get involved, and and make sure that people know that you're going to vote and you're going to vote on this issue. It's going to be the defining issue for you. Politicians tend to listen when thousands of people come and talk to them and say, hey, we're going to vote for you or against you based on this issue. That's going to make a difference. Awesome. Well, um, Congressman Henry, thank you again for joining us on another um, episode of Voices of Vapors. Listeners, you can find out more episodes of this series at heartland.org or on iTunes. For more information about tobacco harm reduction, please visit our alcohol and tobacco page at heartland.org.